0: And it's vital. Jeremiah, chapter 28. In the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the prophet Hananiah, son Hazar, who was from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon within two years. I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, son of Judah, and all other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all of the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From the early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesied peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it And he said, before all the people, this is what the Lord says. In the same way, will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. Now, shortly after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, go and tell Hananiah, This is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in his place, you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They will serve him. I will even give him the control over the wild animals. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you are going to die as you have preached rebellion against the Lord. In the seventh month of that same year, Ananias the prophet died. Pretty powerful words. Now the second reading is going to be out of 1 John chapter 3 and starting at verse 24. Those who obey his commandments live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, whether many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming even now, already is in the world. Dear friends, you are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of the truth and the spirit of falsehood. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: test 1 2 there we go great a lot of technical things go into into these sunday morning gatherings so good job toy thank you great to see you guys on zoom it's great to see so many yeah. of you here and i guess based on what uh, pastor mike shared last week my enthusiasm and my confidence is 10 because i'm here so it's great let 's uh, let 's start with prayer, God we thank you for your word and uh, we thank you that we can read of how you are at work and you are still at work today Lord. we thank you that you move in our midst that you are moving in hearts that you are moving in homes even this morning lord as we as we worship you and as we hear your word God we set aside this time this morning for you because you are the reason that we 're here and you are the reason that we're we're doing this, Lord, is because we love you and we want to know you more. And we can do that by by being together, by seeing a reflection of you in each each person, Lord, that loves you and follows you. So, Lord, continue to speak to us from your word this morning. And uh, just Holy Spirit, move in this place, move in our homes, and move in our hearts, we pray. Amen. And So, John begins with a really simple directive in this chapter. And he says, do not believe every spirit. And Frankie did such a good job reading that long chapter in Jeremiah, and there was a reason for that. Getting a little bit of feedback. I'm not sure if that's coming through out there or online. Uh, Basically what John is telling us is to not assume that every spiritual experience or every demonstration of spiritual power or every inspired message is from God. He's saying in fact it might not be from God. There is reason for that back then in John's time, and that's an important important message for us in the body of Christ today. Because generally overall, I think sometimes we're gullible as Christians. We are the sheep, and sometimes sheep are gullible. They can be led astray. They're not always the smartest. But we tend to be gullible, we tend to believe people who might have the right words to say, or things that, that interest us, or they might wrap their message in, in Christianese. And so it becomes a situation where we can be drawn astray, where we can be led astray, because we like what we're hearing, and it might not be from God. So what's interesting from this passage in Jeremiah, and... Most of the book of Jeremiah is he's giving a word from the Lord, and all of a sudden, these false prophets are rising up and speaking against him. They contradict what Jeremiah says that God has been telling him. And uh, this one specific uh, prophet rose up, Hananiah, and Jeremiah had said, uh, There's going to be more people taken away from Judah, there's going to be more objects taken away from the temple and taken away into captivity. And so Hananiah had risen up, and uh, he had said that God was going to bring relief from all of their problems and all of the oppression, and uh, it was probably a popular message of that time. Uh, six, Jeremiah even admitted that Hananiah's words actually did echo some of his own personal wants. I'll read it again. Jeremiah said, Amen, may the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing back the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his predictions come true. I love the humility from Jeremiah here. He's saying, yes, Lord, make it so. Hananiah, I hope that you're right. But this is what the prophets before you and I said, what the, Lord, what the word of the Lord was. You're going to be a true prophet of God if that does happen to come to pass. No matter what man's views are, a positive or negative outcome, God's words are true. Jeremiah spoke the truth, but it was unpopular, and Hananiah spoke lies, and he probably became very popular, but his deceitful words brought false hope and false comfort to people. And we read shortly after, Hananiah had died, just as Jeremiah had predicted. The whole issue of false prophets is an interesting one. False prophets, false teachers, those who can put together a false spiritual experience, It's a reality of the physical world that we live in, and it's a reality of the spiritual world that we live in as well. Uh, In the Gospel of John 8.44, Jesus says that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, when someone is the father of something in Scripture, they are the author, the originator of it. So Satan is the originator of deception and lies. Satan loves to lie, and he does it through a lot of people who are innocently carried away by spiritual or even seemingly godly things, but are not responding to or taking steps of faith in God's Holy Spirit, but in fact can respond to the work of the enemy and the deception. Now that makes it tough for you and I. Sometimes it's it's tough to even... Uh, focus on the word and, and read the word and be challenged by it and to build our lives around it, uh, to put it into practice. But now we have someone yapping lies in our ear that's deceiving us. We have our own struggles and things we have to overcome, our own weaknesses in the flesh. But then we have an enemy that lies and gives us half-truths and gives us deception and imitation and destroys. This is why John says to us, we have to test the spirits. And we've got to. There should never be an assumption on our part and think that every spiritual experience is from God. It says, do not believe every spirit. And we need to test everything, and that includes what you're hearing from me today. We need to test. We need to be people who check things out so our natural response from our heart uh, for what we're hearing is to test. The Apostle Paul tells us the same thing in First. Thessalonians five twenty one he says but test them all hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil so now the the question we need to ask ourselves is well how do I test them so this morning I want to give some very practical some very scriptural ways that we can test them I want to give five different ways now, uh, recently, the, sc- the school year is about two months in now, and uh, I've started teaching, school, or teaching music at the Francophone School, who's in our building here. So uh, one day a week, uh, I teach music up in, up in the old uh, band room, in the youth room, and uh, the students cycle through. And so between Pro Days and Thanksgiving, I've had them for three, three Mondays now, three classes. And the interesting thing about that is I don't speak French. I've never taken a full year of French, even when I was in school. And uh, so some things have, some expectations have changed, and now they want all the songs in French. And their focus right now is on getting a, a Christmas choir ready for, for Christmas. And Christmas isn't that far away, actually. But uh, it's a challenge, because I don't know French. And so the uh, the principal has come in, and she's helping me with a lot of the language, because When you're singing, when you're doing choir, the words that you're singing are the most important thing. And so it's quite a challenge. And so the same way for us is we need to have that foundation. We need to have that basis of of knowing what is how we're going to operate. And so the first test I want to give to you is to test by the word of God. I know that might be a really obvious one, but test by the word of God. Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And that is nowhere else more true than in this area of of spiritual events and spiritual words. Now, maybe you or someone that you know comes along and they tell you that they have a word of the Lord for you. But even things like that, they need to be tested. Is there word from God? Does it line up with the original infallible word of God? And so it's important that we surround ourselves and familiarize ourselves with the word of God. You know, there's been no other generation in our North American culture that has had so much access, so many tools uh, readily available for us so we can surround ourselves with the word of God. That's why, as leadership at Jericho Road, we want to make it so available because it's so important. We have bookshelves full of books to study we have bibles readily available concordances Uh, we have this great online tool called right now media that's available for every person free uh, with so many great programs and studies about topics and books of the bible because it's so important that we we know it and are rooted in it so important that the word is our guide of knowing and understanding what is from god and what is not from god that's why the Apostle Paul sends Timothy to the early church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 4.17, he says, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. See, they didn't have the New Testament back then in the early church. They had the law and the prophets. Some might have had a few letters sent out to them. But it was so easy for a church to go sideways on how they interpret uh, the word and how they implement it in their church. There would be other teachers and prophets that would crop up and lead people astray. So the apostles wanted to set up some consistency in following Jesus. It's dangerous if we don't care if it's in the Bible or not, or if we don't know that it lines up. We need to not give ourselves the freedom to believe things that aren't found in the word. We have the full revelation of God already given to us in the word and in the person of Jesus. Second test I want to give to you is test the messenger. Test the messenger. Matthew seven fifteen it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. So what are they going to look like? They're going to look like us. They're going to talk like us. They might look like a sheep, smell like a sheep, act like a sheep. But is it a sheep or is it a wolf in sheep's clothing? They might carry a Bible. They might post all the right things on social media. But Jesus himself tells us how we're going to recognize them. He says, by their fruit, you're going to recognize them. He's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the spirit that he sent from God to us. And another title that John gives for the Holy Spirit is advocate and spirit of truth. Now, I listen to a lot of different teachers and pastors from around the world. And with technology, we can listen to teachings anytime we want. And I'm not saying that that's bad at all, uh, listening to other sermons, other teaching, because they can be very encouraging very educational, and those can build us up and point to the truth. But the reality is, when we listen to those men and women of God, we actually don't know what's going on in their lives or behind the scenes. They could teach a very anointed, a very energetic, a very biblically sound message, but if we can't see the fruit, and I'm not just talking about the fruit of their ministry, but if we can't see the fruit of their life, how they treat their family, where they spend their money, how they spend their free time, when they're out of the spotlight, when they're off the platform. If we don't know if they're mistreating their spouse or their kids or downing a bottle of whiskey, we often don't see or hear of the fall of a famous Christian until it's public or until they've hit the bottom. Just like we don't know the fruitfulness of their life or what their inner person looks like. That's why we need to test the messenger by the fruit. And be careful about those who we allow to speak into our life and to the extent of those that we choose to follow. Third test I want to give to you is every spirit from God will acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. Every spirit from God will acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. This is right from our text in 1 John. It says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. John was speaking to a particular problem that was going on in his day, which Pastor Mike has talked about him coming against, which would later be called Gnosticism, which was a collection of ideas and systems that was entering into the first century church that put a heavy emphasis on personal spiritual knowledge or personal spiritual events over the teachings of what the apostles were saying and even over the teachings in the person of Jesus. Because most of the eyewitnesses in that day, the eyewitnesses of Jesus and his life and ministry, were dying out by this point. So what John is saying here is the focus of how Jesus is identified is the key to testing the message. It's all about Jesus, who they say he is, Do they believe that he came to do what the Bible says? Do they believe that he's the son of God, that he's equal with God and yet part of the Trinity? I like what the great philosopher Johnny Cash said. He said, anyone who really wants the truth ends up at Jesus. And that's true. Jesus asked the disciples in Matthew 16, he says, who do the people say the son of man is? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or another prophet. And then later Jesus asked Peter, no, but who do you say I am? He answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus asks us the same thing. Who do we say that he is? Do we live like the truth is in us because he is the truth? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If you want to know truth from error, find out where that person is at with the person of Jesus. If Jesus is the focus, if he is the source, if he is the reason that we have life, the reason we can come to the Father, the reason our sins are forgiven, that we are cleansed and made righteous, once that cornerstone is set properly, all the other things should fit together. I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen and I've heard different awards and accomplishments and people giving speeches and being recognized for things that they've worked hard for and they're so thankful. And who do they thank sometimes? You might get the odd person that thanks God. and That's great. They're acknowledging where their talents come from, where their giftings come from. But who is Jesus to you? He's the full revelation of God that's alive and among us. You don't hear too many movie stars or singers or even politicians talk about giving glory and thanks to Jesus because that would probably stir the pot way too much. Fourth test I want to give to you is we need to test the message by the world. Verse 5, John goes on to write, They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. So we are in the world too, but we are not of the world. We see the things that the world chases after, power, pleasure, and happiness. And there's a lot of teachers and and spiritual people out there that can take the message from the world and wrap Christianese around it. God wants you rich. God wants you to have that garage full of Teslas. Throw a few words of worship in there or a few praise gods for thankfulness but the message isn't a lot different than what the world is chasing after. If the message or the spirit in that message is a reflection of what the world is after, then we're going to have problems. We can be led astray if we're following the same type of message that the world is speaking. Following Jesus isn't meant to be easy. John writes in his gospel, Jesus speaking here, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, and that's why the world hates you. A few verses down, he says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is pretty straightforward about the cost of following him. It's not meant to be easy. The message is different from that than the world. That's why testing a message, testing a spirit, testing what you're listening to, what the world listens to, is it what they're chasing after? Is it what they're interested in? Because we have a different focus because we're in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about politics. We could talk about things that are in the news and theories and recommendations. But how is that different than the world? I wouldn't want that. If we're going after the same type of message, same spirit the world is, then we're going to be led astray. We also don't test the spirit by how impressive it is. In Matthew 24, 24, in the last days, Jesus tells us that false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, So these false prophets aren't just going to do subpar signs and wonders, but it says they're going to do great signs and wonders to even deceive and deceive us. So just because a sign or a wonder is big and exciting, maybe it's extravagant, maybe they're passionate, maybe it's a successful ministry. But if we're just basing our faith on that, if we're basing our spiritual walk on that, we can be on the path to deception on that too. Fifth test I want to leave you with is, is the messenger teachable? And that's kind of a difficult thing. If someone is presenting a word from God for you or talking about a spiritual experience or a revelation or something they want to get you involved with or stir something up inside of you, get a reaction from you, but is that person themselves, are they teachable? John says that this is a test in itself. In verse 6, he says, We are from God, meaning the apostles. Whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So can the person listen? Can they be taught? Or are they just trying to rally someone to their own cause, to their own revelation, to their own experience? Because experience and feelings can lead us astray. Our feelings themselves aren't a reliable gauge for spiritual experience. Sometimes we do that as Christians. Oh, I felt so good after listening to that message. After hearing that word, well, that must be from God. Well, then is the opposite true? Oh, I felt so mad and angry or sad after hearing that message. Well, that can't be from God. No, our feelings can lead us astray. We can't rely on our emotions to test the spirit and the message. God can use some unlikely messengers He can do whatever he wants, whether that's through a donkey, whether that's speaking through a person, whether that's speaking to you in dreams and visions and pictures. But if it doesn't line up with scripture, if it doesn't line up with the person of Jesus, if the messenger's life is way out in left field, if their message is a reflection of the world's message, then you should have a hard time accepting that message. I think back to uh, when Candace and I were, were newly married and just entering into ministry and that was that 's almost twenty years ago now, and uh, we had just graduated from bible college and we were, I guess we were in Abbotsford at the time, and we had different people, different pastors, and people praying for us in the direction uh, where we were going to go, what our next steps were and I remember going to this this meeting i don 't remember where it was or who was hosting it, but there was this prophetic ministry, there was this, this woman there who had a prophetic ministry, and uh, at some point in the service, we went up for prayer, and, and back when you were allowed to lay hands on people, people were laying hands on us and praying for us, and uh, this woman started started praying out, and she started talking about uh, this angel that was moving around us, and she said this angel had long flowing hair, and she gave this angel a name which isn't even biblical. I'd never heard of this name before, but uh, there were a lot of holes in the things that she was speaking out and the things that she was praying for us. Now I was fresh out of Bible college and I was a little shy, and that wasn't the time or place to to uh, correct her or anything like that. Didn't want to cause a scene, but I just thanked her for praying and just kind of moved on. But we need to we need to check the things that we allow to influence us. We need to to make sure that it lines up with the word of God and lines up with the person of Jesus because we can be so easily deceived by imitations. Now, thinking back to to that experience, I think maybe she was trying to make herself look better. uh, Maybe make herself look better in the midst of her, her peers or the ones she was praying for. But if we're going off of our own experiences and just trying to understand understand what God is trying to show us just through our own lens of experiences that can hinder us and lead us astray. Just like our lack of Holy Spirit encounters and experiences with the word of God and knowledge of the word of God can also lead us astray. You might say, oh, I've seen God move like this before. I've heard that message before. I've never heard it like that. So I don't think it's from God. Well, that's a danger too. Because that can keep us from the truth. Because we're trying to see things through our own lens of experience. And our experience is limited. Our knowledge of the word of God is sometimes limited. But like Jeremiah, we need a good measure of humility and submission to God. Thankfully, in his grace, God doesn't back away from us. Even when we limit him. In our lives, He doesn't just wait for us to be biblical, to love us. Otherwise, that would probably never happen. But he loves us as we are. I want to leave you with one more verse from 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. It says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Let me say that one more time. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, this isn't meant to be a a last days centered message but the reality is that we are closer than ever, whether that's tomorrow Jesus comes, whether that's in 100 years from now. But we can't be a people that just want to pick and choose what you want to listen to. There's a lot of loud voices in the world, now more than ever. There's a lot of spirits at work, and thankfully God's spirit is still at work in power. The message of the world and the spirit of the world Sometimes the wonders in the world can be so enticing. But it's our challenge as Jesus followers to test every spirit that enters our thoughts, our being, and our influence. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are good, that you are at work. We thank you that you love us, that you work through us, and you involve us in your kingdom work. You say, we are the light of the world. And Father, we have those, those in our community, those in our world, those in our own families who are being deceived by the lies of the enemy, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to, to use us and use other people, that you'd work against those spirits that you come against those spirits father we pray that you just break the lies of the enemy over lives right now lord god it can be so enticing the deception the imitation lord and sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing that lord thank you that you walk with us that you give us ways that we can know if this is from you, Lord, help us to see, help us to filter those things that we allow into our bodies, that we allow to influence us, Lord, so we're not, we're not dragged off in captivity, Lord. But thank you that you are there beside us, holding us, Lord. Just thank you for your protection in the lives of believers, that we can stand up against the lies of the enemy, Lord. God, we just thank you that you are love. As John goes on to talk about, we'll talk about next week, Lord, that that you are love, that you have a plan for us, that you don't leave us where we're at, Lord, but it's love in action. That as we walk through life together, Lord, we thank you. You don't leave us where we're at, but we are changed, and we are changed by your love. Continue to speak to us, Lord, we pray, through the things, through the voices, through the loud noise that comes at us, through the rest of our day and the rest of our week, Lord, and the days to come. Help us to put our focus, help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord. Thank you for this today, and thank you for your promise, Lord.
0: Amen. Amen.